Welcome to Elevate Podcast, the fastest way to elevate your life. Brought to you by elevatebooks.com. Hello and welcome to another one of our Elevate Podcast. My name is Benjamin J. Harvey, the Difference Maker Mentor. And once again, we have the pleasure of interviewing an international best-selling author from the Elevate series. Now, if you want to find out more about them or any of the other authors in the Elevate series, be sure to check out elevatebooks.com forward slash authors, where you'll actually find a bunch of additional information and plenty of highly valuable and free, that's free resources you can download immediately to further assist you in elevating all areas of your life. So today we're speaking with Rebecca Fox. Now, for those of you who do not know Rebecca, she is an internationally certified coach and a best-selling author with an incredible 18 years of experience behind her dedicated to helping her clients with things like how to actually win your dream job, how to uncover your true calling, how do you successfully transition from parenthood back into your career, and how do you actually effectively negotiate the salary that you've always desired. She also helps people rebound from redundancy so they can actually go on to master their world of work regardless of their experience. Now, Beck has conducted well over 8,000 business, career, and results coaching sessions and has been the recipient of multiple awards for excellence. Beck speaks a handful of languages, including English, French, German, and Greek, and she harbors a true passion for communication, linguistics, and the psychology of motivation. Today, Rebecca continues to directly impact the lives of thousands of people across the world through her company, One Fox Coaching. So please welcome to the show, Rebecca. Hello. How are you doing? Hi, Ben. How are you going? I'm excited, actually. If you, Great. That's, that's how I'm doing. How are you Great. doing? I'm doing really well. I had a fantastic morning. It was great, so I'm excited to be here and looking forward to speaking to our listeners. Nice. I don't want to talk it up, but every time we have a chat, there is a bit of electricity there, which is always good. Yeah. A bit of fun. A sprinkle of fun, that's right. I think I was watching something recently with someone, and they talk about sparking joy, so I quite like that idea. Sparking joy. joy. I think that's what Mm. happens, actually, when we chat. There's a a sparking of joy. Yeah. Yeah. all right, well, enough about us. Maybe the listeners may want to know a little bit more about you. Uh, and I guess what I'm always curious about is, is this concept of mindset. I know you do a lot around growth mindset and fixed mindset, the differences mm. between them, and you do a lot uh, inside your business, One Fox Coaching. What, what is it? Why did you get into this, this area? Why, why are you so passionate about this topic? Thanks for the question. Great question. I think... Um I think I became really fascinated with this kind of question when I was in my 20s, having grown up in what I didn't realize then with regards to the words, a household of real fixed mindsetters. And, um, you know, it was always sort of for me, I felt like I was on this struggle street to, you know, no, nothing, you know, not everything has to be sort of doom and gloom and, and negative and you can't do it and, and you know, this kind of attitude. We we can do it. It's just we may not have been able to do it yet kind of thing. And um, and then um, about 10 years ago, Carol Dweck, um, who um, is a world-leading um, psychologist, um, coined the idea of, of growth mindset and, and fixed mindset and sort of put a framework around what I had sort of already come to understand on my own. I was like, yes, that's it. Let's learn some more. So it was, I guess, my plight and desire to want to help change people's perception of the world so they could be happier. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think I, if I, listeners haven't 
sort of heard of Carol Dweck before. She actually put a book together called Mindset, uh, which has that fixed and growth stuff in it. So, so for you, you were like you were growing up and you were surrounded by fixed mindsetters. Yeah. And uh, and then you came across some of Carol's work. And you're like, what? Someone's actually for this. Wow. Yeah, that explains a lot about my life. And Maybe um, I should go and help. In having said that, even though I was, you know, in doubt or rather like just in the middle of these fixed mindsetters, there was a lot of love. For example, I remember when I was about nine years old um, going fishing down at the beach and it was a bit of an overcast day and um, I loved fishing um, and I had, you know, spent about an hour uh, getting my sinkers and my hooks together and untying the knots in my fishing line because I could only buy what I had with my pocket money, which I think was 10 cents a week. So, you know, I really had to save. And my dad turned to me and he goes, hey, where are you going? And I thought, oh, Dad, I'm going fishing. And he just kind of has this smirk on his face, and I can see it right now as I'm talking about it. And he <laughs> said, and he goes, um, <laughs> he goes, fishing? Yeah, you've got as much luck as catching a fish. No, he goes, you may as well dangle your line in a bucket of water. That's how much luck you've got of catching a fish. Right? <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm like Positive nine years old. I'm nine years old. <laughs> and you know what? Actually, when I was at home in Canberra, which is, you know, sort of landlocked, although we do have a lake, I would. I'd get a bucket of water and I'd tear up sponge from my old stuffed toys and I'd make them float and I'd try and catch them. So, you know, that's a positive mindset or a growth mindset that I can still catch something. It doesn't matter if it's alive or not. It's alive to me in my mind and it brings joy. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I guess the question that everyone has is, did you catch a fish that day? <laughs> <laughs> I catch a fish every day I go fishing. Nice. Then. Nice, I do. Nice. I have the magic of the sea. They want to come and the jump magic. out. I love it. So, so tell me then, for a listener out there who's never come across growth or fixed mindset, how do you, yeah. what, how do you define the differences? How do I know if I've got a growth mindset? How do I know if I've got a fixed one? Yeah. So. I sort of do base my ideas so I, uh, a lot on Dweck's. So you'll probably hear me sort of paraphrase a lot of what she said. So it doesn't really matter if you don't know her. Have a listen to something like this. Basically, the difference between a fixed or a growth mindset is that if we look at people or individuals, we can place them on a continuum according to their implicit views of where their abilities come from. So, for example, some believe that their success is based on innate ability, like the abilities that we are born with that are inside of us that are a part of our DNA and, and that that's what we have and these types of people are said to have a fixed fear of intelligence or fixed mindset others who believe their success is based on like hard work and learning and training and I think Dweck says sort of doggedness are said to have a growth or an incremental theory of intelligence a growth mindset so individuals may not necessarily be aware of their own mindset, but their mindset can be discerned based on their behavior like my dad's and his comments. You know, it's really evident also in particular to their reaction to failure. So my dad would never bother going fishing because he believes that he'd never be able to catch a fish. So why bother? Fixed mindset individuals, they, they dread failure because it's a negative statement on their basic abilities. While a growth mindset individual doesn't mind or fear failure as much because they they realize their performance can be improved and learning comes from failure. So for me, whilst you know, I do have the, the magic of the sea and I catch fish almost every time I go, 
I always believe that, you know, if I don't catch the actual fish that I'm going for, it's a learning opportunity. And regardless of feedback, if the ocean's not giving me what I want, it's an opportunity to learn something from it. And that is really the difference between the two mindsets. One that believes that it can be improved from learning and one that believes that, nah, it's fixed, you're born with it, and that's that. So I hope that kind mm. of makes sense. So I guess, I mean, there's a saying out there that says there's no such thing as failure, only feedback. And that, I mean, that probably only makes sense to someone with a growth mindset, right? Absolutely. That, yep, that's a definite growth mindset. Got so, it. So if I've got a growth mindset, any setback I get is really just information that I can utilize to make a course correction and continue to succeed and grow. Absolutely. And what's really interesting around the fixed and growth mindset ideas is um, that we can see it we can see individuals develop their ideas around their abilities from a really really young age so Dweck actually started her work um, with students with really sort of junior school kids and through her studies then um, transitioned into adult mindsets as well when she was working with students um, she she could see that students believe that their basic abilities and their intelligence and their talent, their talents are just fixed traits because school often teaches you these things, you know, with tests that you have where you pass or fail or, you know, especially when I grew up in the 80s and 90s, there was lots of IQ tests and, you know, once you got your score, well, that was your score and they have a certain amount and that's that. So, you know, once I got my IQ score or once I you know, in a school system and I got a C, I pretty much always got a C from that teacher. They didn't really shift their score of me unless they had a growth mindset and I just presumed I was a C grade student. Um, so my, my goals became a little bit overlooked um, and sometimes I think, you know, in those days I thought I was really dumb. I'm transitioning a bit now, but um, I then had a growth mindset teacher and what was amazing about that when I was a student is that this teacher really saw me, you know, understood my abilities, um, didn't call them talents, called them abilities, and um, really taught me that it was possible to, to grow them. And we know this in sport anyway, you know, you head up to bat a ball and you might miss a hundred times, but suddenly you get it. And when your brain knows that you can actually do it, then you do it again and again and again and again and again. So we know that ability can be developed through effort and good teaching and persistence um, and that people that are growth mindset and students that are, have growth mindsets, they don't think that everyone's the same or that just anyone can be an Einstein. They believe that everyone can actually get smarter if they work at it. So that's mm. the biggest difference there. So when we speak to kids, it's really important to praise, not praise them as, oh, that's so smart. Wow, that's smart. It's wow, that, that work is really smart. So it's not about them. Just move it very slightly from them, you know. So if, mm -hmm. if they're going towards something, the work is smart and they're getting praised for that, even if they're, you know, not doing their very best, you can say, oh, you've, you've done smarter work, keep going. And they want to. They keep wanting to persist to get to that thing because they're not discouraged from failing. Nice. So... You pray, I mean, it sounds like a lot like also uh, focusing on the effort. Is that kind of the concept? Absolutely. Got yep. it. Yeah, I like that. So it's about developing the abilities and putting in the right level of effort and 
Nice. So if, if I'm sitting at home right now and I'm someone who's like, oh, you know, I, I don't really like my career or, geez, I wish I had a better go and get the job of my dreams or just enjoy my life a bit more, infuse it with a bit more joy, as you would probably say. Yep. Well, what are some tips? What, what can I do now? I'm sitting at home. I'm listening to you. I, I want to do something. Yep. How do I begin to get a growth mindset? How do I begin to actually change something? What, what would you suggest? Well, I think that uh, I, my biggest tip around this um, is to always invoke the word yet in everything. So um, if you're having a negative thought, oh, I can't do this, I'll never get that job, I really want that job, but I won't be able to get it because I don't have that degree, or I can't get that job because I'm not qualified enough, or they'll always overlook me because they'll give that person because they had experience in uh, New Zealand. Or If you ever have this sort of negative chat about how you want to, drive your career just implore the word yet it's an extremely powerful tool so oh yeah i won't be able to get that job yet yet but if Mm. i do some coaching or i go out and get that skill or i work a bit harder on this or i even tell my boss that i would like it in the first place then they'll know and we can create a development plan to ensure my success so i can move in the direction of getting it so what you should do, I reckon, is get a, a career coach or speak to other people that may be in that position that have already done it and ask them how they did it, um, gain some insights and take those learnings on and then employ them and, and get on with it. But, uh, you know, nothing really happens if you just sit on the couch and talk. Mm-hmm. With, with the majority of clients that you work with, what would you yeah. say are the the core fundamental things that they need to work on or change that allows you to get such remarkable results with them? Like, like, when you boil it all down, what, what's really going on inside people? Why are we not getting the jobs we want? Why are we not getting the pay rise? Why are we not bouncing back from redundancies? What, what, what are we lacking? There's a few things. That's a really great question. I don't think there's just one, one thing. Uh, it depends on the person. But um, if I was to look, if I did a quick deep dive, There'd be things around um, giving giving oneself permission to succeed. So you don't mm. have to wait for permission to go for that job or you don't have to wait until someone asks you, do you want that promotion? Or um, when someone gives you a salary offering, you don't necessarily just have to, you know, say, okay, thank you. Like now you have permission to take that salary. Everything's negotiable and you can just go get it. So what I mean by that is, if you really want to go for that job, don't wait for someone to ask you. Let them know that you're interested. If you're excited about the job and they offer you a salary and it's a little bit less than you were hoping for, have the courage to have the conversation about, oh, I'm really excited. This isn't quite where I thought it would land. What kind of wriggle room do you have to get me to around here? Because I have these financial commitments that I have to meet and I really want to work for you and I know I'll do a fantastic job at it. So, you know, there's a permission piece there, but overall it's about really um, providing a narrative to that individual that serves their purpose and so that they are consciously choosing and invoking the right kind of vernacular to help get them in the right direction. And that might say, oh, what's Beck talking about there? 
we make subconscious choices all the time in the way we express ourselves and the words that we use, just like I spoke about the word yet. Just adding a mm -hmm. tiny little yet at the end of something opens up this whole future possibility of presumptive success. I've never skied. I'm probably going to be the best because just no one's taught me yet. Yet. Mm -hmm, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm, Maybe mm -hmm. I won't be, but I've got this open-mindedness about there's a possibility of it actually happening. So once you can imagine it, then you can make it happen. So it's, it's about the small words. Um, in an interview example, for uh, so many people ask, hey, thanks for coming in today. You know, why did you apply for the job? And you might actually tell a story about how the current role that you're in is no longer satisfying you or you've been running your own business for a long time and you're really burnt out from chasing invoices and you really just want to align yourself within a business that pays you monthly or whatever it is. Unwittingly, you are telling a story of what you're running away from. You're not telling mm. that future employer what you're running towards. And they want mm -hmm. to hear that you're running towards them not running away from them so or, or running away from something. And so it's about working on a narrative that really serves you and that can serve that next role that you want to go for. Nice. So they can, when they sit down for their interviews, it's more like these are all the things that I'm inspired by within this organization, not the things that I'm trying to get away from in the other one. Correct. I got it. So say I am uh, potentially negotiating a salary. Yeah. What is the Bex Fox single best tip for that one? What do I need to do to prepare myself to even have a discussion like that with a potential employer? Yeah, I think the first thing that you want to ask yourself is to remove yourself from any job um, or any offer bracket and just say, how much money do I need to earn? First of all, you need to have a reference point of what you actually need. Yeah. Secondly, how much would I like to earn? And have a look, is there a difference in that? There may or may not be. But then you have your own personal bracket of what your minimum is and perhaps what your maximum is. Put that to the side. Have a look at, I mean, and I work with my clients to do this. We look at the market to see what is the market bearing for this type of role and the experience that you come to within it because there, there'll be a price that the market bears for that and they change all the time. So you should always, you know, be looking at that because, for example, right now in, you know, end of January and February, it is a candidate market in finance and IT. They cannot fill the jobs due to the Royal Commission, due to uh, um, advances in technology. If you are in IT or finance, now is an opportunity for you to look around or to jump back in or, or what have you. So um, having a look at that uh, baseline of what the market will bear for your role. So you have that. And then you can always ask the employer, what does this role remunerate? What is the bracket? And here's my tip. If the bracket remunerates, I'm just going to make any numbers up here, between 50 and 70,000, and you're successful in the role and they ask you, you know, where you see yourself, you say 70,000. Mm -hmm. Why would you say 50? Why would you say 60? Why would they want to employ anyone that isn't the best at 70,000? Mm -hmm. You've just got to go for it. 
Nice. I like it. It's mm. such a simple concept, but not everybody thinks it through and does it that way. And actually, um, not only the research that I've done um, and my anecdotal experience as well, here we do see a slight difference in the genders and the way they are willing to accept a number or not. And what we see in the job market is that women tend to accept the number that they're given, whereas men will just have a go and negotiate. Not every single man and not every single woman, but the percentages play that men negotiate harder and women are more reluctant to do that. And so I'm a mother of a 10 and 11-year-old girls. And um, sometimes they get called up by our neighbours to do little jobs like um, weeding a garden or walking a dog. And they have a rate, you know, a few dollars to do this. But if they're asked, I always say that they can only do it if they ask for 50 cents more. Mm. And it's not about the money. It's about just developing a narrative in yourself where it's totally normal, it's not selfish, it's not big-headed, it's nothing negative to ask for just a little bit more. The worst is someone can say no. The best is someone that can say yes. And who knows, you might meet in the middle at 25 cents. Mm -hmm. But if we can start now with our daughters and our sons, if we can start now when they're young to get this idea that it's okay to negotiate that by the time they go into the workforce or they go into business for themselves, they won't be shying away from the courageous conversations. Mm-hmm. Nice. So quite often it's really, it comes just back down to asking for what you want in life, I think. I think everything in life is like that. Yeah, you people know, really struggle with it. You know what? I've taken this to the max, Ben, right? You've maxed it. You've 10x this. I have. Like, when I go to Woolies, right, and they total up my bill and they tell me it's blah, 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 I smile cheekily and I say, but what about a 5% discount? And 50% of the time, they laugh back and they'll give it to me. Yep. Right? Same thing. When I go to Aldi, Right, I have a little game because I want to. I want to really speed pack my bag faster than they can swipe, which kind of it energizes the whole thing with the with the checkout person, right? And they have a big smile on their face. But I make a rule: if they have to swipe something more than three times, it's free. And I and I negotiate this up front, and half the time they say no, and the other half they say okay. And off we go because life's a game, you know. Nice. Well, well, I the think three swipes are free rule. I like that the one. Three I've never swipes heard of that one before. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's just a bit of fun. I mean, my my poor kids are so embarrassed, but you know, it's having fun. This morning, um, I was uh, doing some groceries, and the guy in front of me—it was pretty early, it was about eight a.m. The guy in front of me, he, the, it came to fifty-four dollars. And uh, he goes, I've only got a 50. I never have any cash, but I did have a fiver. And I whipped it out and I said with a big smile, here you go, here's five. And he just didn't know what to do, right? He didn't ask me for it. I just offered. Um, And he said, oh, no, it's only granola. That's fine. But the point is, if you ask for it, then it's always great to be able to also pay it forward when you can. 
And then you get the yeah, whole universal, no. you know, um, reciprocation. Right. There it is, reciprocity. So I'm a big believer in that too. And when you come to One Fox Coaching, um, that's a really large part of our success model. Actually, just on that, while people are listening in, you've got a really awesome website up online that I recommend that everybody goes and checks out. It's onefox.com.au, and that's one, the word, O-N-E-F-O-X.com.au. Um, what I know is you've got, you do have some incredible coaching programs with incredible coaching packages that I recommend everybody listening in to definitely check it out, onefoxcoaching.com.au. Just before we do sort of wrap up the interview, I guess the, the questions that I'm always interested in, and when it comes to your own mindset and you working on yourself, what would be some of the, the top tips that you would give? I mean, as an expert coach, what, what would you give some of the people out there that just want to just get into their mindset and start to create some fixes or changes or transformation? What, what, what are some of your top tips around that? What do you recommend people do? Um, I think, you know, and this is the scariest part, and this is why... You know, some people, you know, when they come to me, they go, oh, my God, I've been wanting to do coaching for so many years. I just haven't up until now. And part of that block is it can be scary to sort of peel back some of the layers um, of yourself and really have a really good look internally at what drives your behavior. Mm-hmm. The great thing, though, is that you can do that in a really safe place with a coach and you have the support around that and then you know immediate tools to be able to help you get over some of the bridges that you may have you know been hiding under that's stopping you getting where you really want to go so um sort of uh, some of the the tips i suppose um i would say i mentioned use the word yet um yep i love that one by the way i really like that just that small little difference has a huge impact and the kids can do it too you know my girls say it now um so it's a really easy one and easy to spell for kids um i also think you know develop a sense of purpose so keep the big picture in mind i'd Mm -hmm. say recognize and embrace your inadequacies and shortcomings because hiding from your weaknesses means that you'll never overcome them and um interestingly um, especially when I'm looking and working in results coaching with those clients and people want to lose weight, it's it's never about the food. It's never about the food. It's looking at the reason to why they use food to hide from something else. So recognize and embrace their inadequacies and shortcomings so that we don't have to hide from our weaknesses. I'd also say celebrate your learnings and growth. So it's pretty un-Australian to do that. Um, but you can still couch it in a in a in a way that's not too overbearing. So I would say you can do this by sharing your progress and experiences with others throughout that journey, but also mm-hmm. share the end result and you know share the ups and downs. Oh no, I had a crap day today. This is what happened. I made this massive mistake. Blah blah blah. And next time, oh yeah, overcome it. Got a win. It was great. So if you share the whole story, it's it's not as if you're just sharing the end part. And, and that gives credence as well to the whole of your effort. I would say value growth over speed. So learning fast isn't the same as learning well. And learning well can take time during which you might make mistakes. So just remember that just value the growth over the speed of success. Um, mm. I'd say recognize and reward accurately. 
actions, not traits. So I, I touched on that a little bit before with, you know, how you might praise a child. For example, you know, doing something intelligent and not their intelligence. Wow, that's so smart to do that. Not you are so smart. Yeah. See, criticism is positive. So feedback is a gift regardless of its flavor. So I remember the, the first time I had my aha moment here, I was working for a Fortune 500 and um, I was coaching their whole middle management. And I really revered this one middle manager. He was amazing. Um, but I had an experience with him that I thought was, wasn't his best and most shining of moments. And it was such that I thought I should let his boss know, which was a director. And he said, thanks for that. Can you feed it back to him? And I went, what? That's your job. Um, but he, he was an, he's an amazing leader. And um, what he recognized was an opportunity for me to grow by giving the feedback. And what was wonderful was when I gave the feedback, that manager said to me, thank you, Beck. All feedback's a gift. And, mm. I, you know, he, that was such an aha moment to have that. So I think that's really important. And then lastly, to cultivate grit. So Dweck's work, Carol's work, has shown that students with that little extra bit of determination will be more likely to seek approval from themselves rather than oh, look nice. externally for it. So, um, you know, I, I now have a little quip that when I'm working hard at something and getting a little bit stuck, I might go, come on, Fox, you know, and I'm just seeking a little bit more from myself. So yeah. if we seek approval from my, ourselves, then we're likely to do just that little bit more. And that little bit more can be the marked difference between, you know, being successful and being ultimate successful. Beautiful. I like it. And I really like this, this concept of recognizing our shortcomings. And what, what do you suggest around that? So we recognize here's one of our shortcomings. What, what, what do we do with that? So um, I think when we recognize what they are, we just need to ask, uh, you know, what's the opportunity here? Yeah, nice, All right? nice. You know, what's the opportunity? So what is it that you actually want to do that you even call it a shortcoming? Yeah, and got it. once you recognize what that is, then you know, usually you know what you need to do in order to fix it. If you don't, go get a coach, ask an opinion of someone that's close to you, speak to someone at work. One of the great things about coaching is that it's a safe place. And what I mean by that is that you don't have to have fear that if you acknowledge a shortcoming or a weakness that you won't get that next promotion or they'll think that X, Y, or Z. Um, and this is actually why most CEOs and executives go for external coaching because they feel that they have to have a perception in amongst their colleagues that they really are the leaders. And they are. And so sometimes... You know, having those conversations with peers isn't appropriate. So having yeah. a coach is, is awesome for that. But we can do it just internally with ourselves, with a loved one. And just remember that feedback's a gift. So when you recognize your shortcoming and you're asking for feedback, you can ask that person to give it to you from a place of kindness. And if they're a good mate or a loved one, no matter what they're going to tell you, it's going to come from a place of where they love you and they want to help you improve. It's not a criticism. Yeah, nice. I like it. Uh, I have taken quite a few notes, actually, while we were chatting, so I've been enjoying this immensely. I'm sure the listeners out there have been enjoying it as well. Terrific. And 
again, for the listeners out there, go to onefox.com.au. Definitely check out some of Beck's uh, coaching programs. They are absolutely brilliant. She is absolutely remarkable at what she does. And I am certainly going to get a lot of value just by going on the website and checking out some of the content as well. Thank you. So, Beck, I just wanted to say a massive thank you for being on the show today, a massive thank you for all your incredible wisdom, and congratulations again on your international best-selling book. Thank and, you. And uh, all the success you've had up until this date, and may that continue to grow year on, year out. Absolutely, and it's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege. Thank you all for the listeners out there as well. Please don't hesitate to contact me if there's any clarity I can shed over anything that we've spoken to or about today. Um, and looking forward to hearing the next one. Nice. Well, Beck, thanks so much for being on the show today. And uh, for those of you out there, if you want to find out more about Beck or any of our other authors, please go to elevatebooks.com forward slash authors. And always remember, giving yourself permission to do what you love really is the key to elevating all areas of your life. And until we meet again, share your light, live your love, and do whatever it takes to be your own best friend. Thanks so much for dialing in and listening to today's podcast, and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Elevate Podcast, the fastest way to elevate your life. For more information, visit www.elevatebooks.com.